1 Corinthians 11 this evening. If you take your Bibles and join me tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Let me say as you're turning and as we prepare to look into the scriptures, what a blessing the Music Academy students were tonight when you all sang and played. That was really wonderful. And I know you guys are kind of spread out on either side of me, so it's kind of hard to look at either one of you unless I have a split personality. So, so I just want you to know, you guys did a really wonderful job this evening, and I am confident that the, the special concert coming up on Friday evening is gonna be a really great event. And obviously you are invited. So if you're available, it would be a really special night and uh, that will be again over at the Dale Horton Auditorium and seven o'clock on Friday evening. I got to spend time uh, this last week at what we refer to as Teen Extreme. So I got to preach through the course of the week at Teen Extreme. And Music Academy, you guys were, were a part of the Teen Extreme services and such. But I will tell you, oftentimes when I, I preach for Teen Extreme and it's also Music Academy, I usually give a little shout out to the Music Academy uh, group. But I was strangely silent this last week. So my apologies, but I do want you to know I'm going to give you a little bit of a shout out tonight in the message. So the message this evening is done um, as we prepare our hearts for the observing of, of what we call the Lord's Supper. And I, I, this has a pretty simple title for us, and that is preparing ourselves for the Lord's Supper. But we're going to keep our Music Academy students in mind um, a little bit later in the course of, of the, these brief thoughts tonight. You know, this morning in our service, we spent time in Romans chapter 6, and we looked at the word baptism, which is both a literal and a figurative word. And so, you know, figuratively is how Paul was approaching it in Romans 6, and he gave us, listen, this is the, this is the real baptism. The literal baptism is is actually the reflection of the figurative. Isn't that interesting? The, the literal baptism, what we do with water, is just an important picture. And, um, and that's of the, the, the literal baptism, in a sense, that took place when we were baptized with Christ. Jesus left for us two pictures that he has preserved for the church. Since the time of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and then glorious ascension, we have retained these pictures. Sometimes a picture is so accurate that people confuse the picture with the, the real thing. And forgive the repetition of this, but to me it's one of the most clear examples of, of how we sometimes mistake the picture for the real thing. Many times when we're preparing for a baptism, I will show a child a picture of my family and I show them that picture and I'll point to myself and I'll say, who's that? And they'll say, that's you. And then I oftentimes point to Julie, who's that? And they'll say, that's your wife, you know, Mrs. Redland. And I'll say, well, it's really not. And then they look at me and I say, now who's that again? And they said, that's you. And I said, it's not. And uh, they're a little, you know, there's this look of confusion on their face. And then I say, of course, that's just a picture of me. Now, it's an accurate picture. So when you see yourself in a picture, you oftentimes say, hey, that's me. 
but really it's not you. It's, it's either some die and such on a piece of paper or it's some digitized reflection. It's an image of you, but it's not actually you. Because things are so closely pictured, sometimes people have mistaken baptism for salvation because it's such a beautiful, powerful, clear picture. But it's not really salvation, it's just the picture. And what we're about to do this evening with the Lord's Supper, it's not, it's not to be confused with the actual real event. What we're about to do is we're about to remember Christ's broken body and his shed blood. Now this is something that is to be remembered until he comes again. He says, this do. And so how long do we do that? Well, we're gonna do this picture until we, we participate at a new meal with Jesus. He instituted this at the last supper, but now we're going to someday have this new meal with Jesus in heaven. And so we're gonna continue to remember him in this fashion until he comes again and we participate with him new in heaven. So how do, we, how do we ready ourselves for this? What is it that we're supposed to do? Now, we, we could spend, uh, honestly, a couple different opportunities to review how is it that, that we're supposed to approach this. I think many times people are, are somewhat, this is a strong word, but maybe even morbid about this. And we shouldn't be morbid. There is something about this that we actually celebrate because of what Christ accomplished. But there should also not be a trifling aspect to it because we are about to come into this powerful picture that we're supposed to take seriously. So in, in just a few moments, again, we will take these elements and we're going to, we're going to take the little wafer that's in the, the, the one half of this little container and we'll take this unleavened bread, unleavened bread. It is, ex it is the picture that Christ used to establish this idea that his body, his sinless body, leaven the picture of sin, his sinless body was offered and it was broken and bruised. It was marred on our behalf. He was bruised for our transgression. By his stripes, we are healed. So, so then we will participate and, and we will remember his shed blood and we'll do that with the fruit of the vine, this grape juice. And we'll partake of that, remembering that Christ's blood was shed. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so again, we're gonna remember. So how do we prepare for this? I would begin by saying only Christians should be baptized. Only Christians should be baptized. You're not baptized to become a Christian. Only Christians should be baptized. Remember, we call it believer's baptism. We addressed that this morning. And then I would say tonight, in consistent fashion with that, only believers should participate in what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. Only believers. So we start to understand this is something not just for us to become a believer or even to become a, a like, oh, hey, we get some extra blessing. No, this is something that all believers should be prepared to participate in. So you might ask, well, how do we, how do we prepare for this? Well, your Bibles are open right now to 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse number 28, verse number 28, 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 28. This is rather self-explanatory and maybe one of the first things people understand about the Lord's Supper. 
But let a man examine himself. Both words are very important. Let a man examine. Okay, so that means turn up the the, the microscope. I mean, put this under some kind of thorough inspection. Let a man examine, and then it says himself. Do you know tonight, you should not be so concerned about who is participating and who is not. Let a man examine himself, and so let him um, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He's saying, let's begin with a personal examination. You say, well, well, why are we doing this examination? Because we don't want there to be anything that we know of between us and our Savior. The old hymn writer wrote, nothing between my soul and my Savior. So we just come before him and we say, Lord, I'm examining myself. Is there anything that I am holding on to? In fact, the Bible addresses this rather seriously in this passage, that some people drink unworthily. Now, remember, it's not that we have our worth in ourselves. And finally, I've attained to where I can participate in the Lord's Supper. It's really not it. The idea is, Lord, I understand your worthiness and there is no known held on to sin that is keeping me from right fellowship with you. Throughout scripture, we read in Psalm 26 two, examine me, O Lord, and prove me, try my reins and my heart. Lamentations 3.40, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Haggai 1.5, now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What we're doing to begin with, as we approach this, is we say, okay, Lord, you turn on the spotlight. Now, quite frankly, many times the Lord may be saying to you, I've already done that, so what are you going to do? You know, sometimes we're just playing this this game with the Lord. Like, oh, Lord, you show me if there, and he says, I've already shown you. I've revealed in the pages of, of my word. I've shown you in your own life. So it really is ours then to just say, Lord, I am going to say, wash me, cleanse me. If we confess, he is faithful. So again, this is not like I, I'm, I'm examining, you know, everybody out. No, no, no. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat. And then we would go to this next idea. Look down at verse number 24. Verse number 24 Um, The next one after examination, I would say contemplation, contemplation. How do we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper? We examine ourselves and then contemplation. Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Here's this idea of contemplation. After the same manner, verse 25, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. We should be remembering, contemplating, what did the Lord do for me? You may do this already, and, and oftentimes I find myself just taking a little passage of scripture, even during the observance of the Lord's Supper and turning to a passage of scripture and contemplating again what it is that the Lord accomplished on our behalf and what it is that we're actually remembering. So what do we do? Well, we we have this examination and then a time of contemplation. We remember what he did. He justified me. 
He saved me from the penalty and the power of sin. How did he do it? He died on a cruel, rugged cross. And we start to just contemplate again the lengths to which Jesus did to redeem us unto himself. Why did he do this? For God so loved the world. And we just take time and contemplate again in a fresh way, in a relevant, timely way. Lord, I am contemplating what it is that you did to make this fellowship possible. So examination, contemplation, I would say with some anticipation. Some anticipation. When we cleanse ourselves, in in a sense, our, our spiritual palates, there is something that is fresh in my approach to Jesus. Do you know at a, at a fine meal, they oftentimes give you something that they say, this is to cleanse your palate. And um, it is to, to cleanse it from what you have previously enjoyed. Now, usually it's just a, a little cup of sorbet. So I just like the sorbet. I don't know if it really cleanses a palate or not, but, but I like the, oh, hey, that's kind of good. And And what they're saying is, we want you to be well prepared to enjoy what's coming. And there is some sense of anticipation. One commentator wrote this. He said, if we are quenching our thirst at forbidden fountains, we have no reason to expect God to be satisfying. If we are not nourished by bread from heaven, we will satiate ourselves with crumbs from the world. Once we have become addicted to the world's nourishment, our appetite for God is spoiled. So what is it that we're saying? We're saying, come on, let's let's come before him. And we know I come with this this sense of of inspection. I want to do this examination of myself. And then we come and we start contemplating what the Lord did. And now I am anticipating, Lord, this renewed fellowship with you. The Lord's Supper is not just this emotional exercise but a response of a heart built on the truths of God and his word. So any worship not based on God's truth is just this emotional experience with yourself, but has nothing to do with the glory of God. Lord, I want to come cleansed and then anticipating this wonderful fellowship with you. Now, lest there be some confusion about this, I'm not saying that there can't and shouldn't be emotion connected to this renewed fellowship with Jesus, but emotion's not to lead the charge. Emotion wrongly placed becomes a lousy leader, but emotion rightly placed in the life of any believer becomes a wonderful compliment. So we're not just coming to say, I'm trying to make this as emotional as I can. No, I wanna come and make this as appropriate as I can. And as I come appropriately before the Lord, my emotions rightly follow. Okay, so two last things, and these are are more specifically for our music academy students and maybe for our musicians here tonight. And forgive me, by the way, ahead of time if if I misappropriate some musical terms. We said there is an examination, a contemplation, an anticipation, and then we're going to borrow a musical term and we're gonna say there should be some sense of modulation, modulation. Modulation, that is shifting from one key to another or change from one form or condition into another. It is what we might say as we apply it to this this evening, it is finding God's pitch and matching it. 
we want to move ourselves from our level to his. Clearly, the disciples that were seated at that last supper with Jesus didn't fully understand what was about to take place. There was sadness on their part because they saw and sensed the heaviness of Jesus. There was some confusion on their part because he had been talking in terms that they simply were not processing. But there should have been this sense of how do we match where he is? How do we, now you and I have the wonderful advantage of hindsight. We see exactly where Jesus was moving toward, what he did and what he accomplished. And so when we come to this point now, we say, Lord, I want my life to be in tune. I want to match yours. I'm going to go from this key to this key and I want it to be your key. A man named William Temple said, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God and devote the will to the purpose of God. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying to worship God means that God, you are the centerpiece and everything about me then rotates around you. There is some sense of, Lord, if there's anything that's slightly off, if something hasn't met or, 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 or ascended to that right pitch, Lord, you make the adjustment because I want everything rightly to rotate around you. You know, in, in our lives, it really works best when Christ is beautifully in the center. And whenever he's not, something is not rightly rotating. If you've ever been, been driving down the interstate at, you know, a, a pretty good speed, you're going 70 miles an hour down the inter, interstate. Have you ever looked and seen another wheel? I just saw a tractor trailer and the, the wheel on that back um, trailer was just bouncing all over the place. And I thought, you know, in fact, I didn't want to, I was right behind it. And so it's right in front of me and I'm looking at this wheel just bouncing all over the place. And I, as quickly as I could, I got out from behind him because I thought that thing could just blow because it was bouncing so severely. It wasn't rightly balanced. You know, the, the more speed in a sense our lives pick up, when it's not rightly centered on Christ, the more rough the ride is for us. What I'm trying to communicate by this, this, how do we prepare for the Lord's Supper? What I'm trying to communicate by modulation is, okay, where is he? I want to move to where he is. So is he, is he here? Where am I? Am, am, I, am I like, oh, Lord, I'm not prepared for that. He said, no, 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 I want you to step up to where I am. Oftentimes I have found that I try to get God to move where I am, and that's not the way it works. So how do I prepare for this? Some sense of modulation. And then what's the last thing that I think is produced when I start to walk through these steps of how do I prepare for the Lord's Supper? And that last one is what we'll refer to as harmonization. Look, look back a little earlier in the passage, 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse number 18. This is how Paul actually gets into the topic of, of how to observe this supper. He says, for first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you and I partly believe it. And then he started to explain how people were actually observing the Lord's Supper and some of the abuses of the Lord's Supper. 
He says, come on now, some of you are doing this and, and it's offensive or it's inappropriate for this group and, and some of you are observing this way and you should be doing it this way. He says there should be, really he's saying there should be this harmonization among you. Harmonize, a combination of parts into a pleasing or orderly whole to agree. You know, when any body of believers comes together to observe the Lord's Supper, there should be some beautiful harmony that exists in their midst. There should be some, in a sense, music that they are making. This fellowship among believers, modulation, yeah, that's adjusting ourselves with God. Harmonization is adjusting yourself with others. And Paul addressed that with the church at Corinth. In Philippians chapter 2, he, he helps the church at Philippi understand. He says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. To worship as a congregation, we must come before God single-mindedly in full commitment to his purposes. You know, harmonization, it involves the responsibility of reconciliation, restitution with other members in the body with whom we may be out of harmony. Do you know, if, if, if there is some, like, wow, this is an issue between two people within one body, I would recommend going first to your brother and, and make it right, your sister, and say, hey, I've wronged you. I need to make this right before we come and partake in what is the picture of the Lord's body, uniting ourselves, remembering what it is that he accomplished. There is something really powerful about a church that knows how to harmonize. When there is this sweet harmony in the body of believers, wow, what a powerful witness this is to a world that is watching. I would even submit, church, what a powerful witness it is to young people who are watching. Sometimes our own children that are taking this observing glance saying, so how real is this to the people that I am surrounded by in this body of believers? Harmonization. In just a moment, we are going to observe the Lord's Supper. So how is it that we are to come and prepare ourselves? Well, with a good examination, let a man examine himself. With contemplation, this do in remembrance of me. With anticipation, Lord, I am anticipating this opportunity to just once again remember what Christ has accomplished. With modulation, I want to move to exactly where you are. And then with harmonization, that we may be as a church body. Paul said it this way, we being many are one.